Hi, I'm Brenda Burns, and this is the Vienna Assembly of God Sermons Podcast. Thank you for listening. It's an honor to share this time with you. Learn more about the ministries of Vienna Assembly of God at ViennaAG.com. Please leave your comments and reviews on the platform where you're listening. And now for today's message. We are in this series, All Things New, following Easter, following the resurrection of Jesus, and today is Second Chance Sunday. So I want to start with reading a couple of scriptures and, and then kind of dive in to this message, kind of a theme verse for this idea of all things new is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And it reads, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And we talked about that last week, this reality of new birth throughout the story of the gospel that we have new life in Christ. But I want to look at John 21. This incident happened after Jesus' resurrection, and it is one of his appearances to the disciples. He, you may remember, he appeared to them on the seashore, and they were out fishing and hadn't caught anything, and, and then he uh, spoke to them and said, well, try, put your nets on the other side one more time, and then they, the disciples realized it was the Lord when their nets were so full with fish. And so he, they brought the fish on shore, and Jesus cooked breakfast for them, and we're going to pick it up at verse 15 in John 21. Keeping in mind second chances. (laughs) After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, Son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you, Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death He would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. This is the word of the Lord. Father, I pray for an anointing today on this message and an encouragement in our spirit for the second chances that you give us. Help make us be people of second chances. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, you may remember that on the night when Jesus was betrayed, before the disciples had left the uh, Passover dinner and everything, Peter had declared his steadfastness. And he had said, I will never forsake you, Lord. I would never do that. And Jesus said, actually, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And that is what took place. Peter denied that he even knew Jesus. And at this part of the scripture, what we see is Jesus and part of that second chance, he restored Peter. He asked the question three times, the number of times that he had denied him, to restore him to fullness in his relationship with Jesus. And it's a beautiful picture to understand that this is what God does. He restores us. He gives us second chances. We are flourishing in 2021. Now, that is something that you're going to just keep hearing me say because it's the word that God gave me for you, for you. It wasn't a word for the globe or the nation or the community. It was for this church, that this church, God is calling the people within this church to flourish in 2021. And I believe that a big part of that is having this belief in us that God gives us second chances. I learned about Second Chance Month through the organization, The And Campaign. They have partnered with Prison Fellowship to expand the reach of this very worthy effort. From the Prison Fellowship website, since launching the first Second Chance Month in 2017, Prison Fellowship has spearheaded the nationwide effort to raise awareness about these barriers that we're going to talk about in a minute and unlock brighter futures for people with a criminal record. Yes, we're going to hit the nitty-gritty today. Do we really believe in second chances? So the videos and much of the material for today's message come from Prison Fellowship. At the end of today's service, I'll be sharing a link to the Prison Fellowship site where you can learn more about their ministries. And also I'll share a link for the AND campaign that are in the business of helping offer second chances. Now, today's focus is especially about second chances for those who have been incarcerated. But as we talk about this and allow our hearts to be formed by God's heart, I invite you to think about yourself offering a second chance to somebody in your life this week. It could be a spouse or a partner or a child or parent. It could be a coworker or a neighbor. But for us to grow in love and in faith, let's practice being people who believe in second chances. So the next few notes here are, are, came directly from Prison Fellowship, and I just want to share some of the message that they gave. Justice 
justice is an innate longing. And we see that familiar arc of crime and justice in everything from children's games to popular entertainment. If you're watching a Marvel movie, there's the bad guys and the good guys, and you're just the whole time hoping for the good guys to beat the bad guys and the bad guys to get theirs, right? We ache for that kind of justice. Well, if you commit a crime, the story goes, you will be arrested, tried, and sent to prison for a period of time. And that's supposed to be the way the justice system works. Justice has been served. That's usually where the story ends and the credits will start rolling. But is it really the end? So ministries like Prison Fellowship and others minister to tens of thousands of men and women that are behind bars every month. The prisoners are introduced to a new hope and purpose for their lives through Jesus Christ. And there are dramatic stories of lives being transformed every day. I read a post just this last week of a friend of ours who is a prison chaplain. And you may or may not realize we are in the month of Ramadan. And there are many um, people of Islamic faith that he is in touch with in his role as prison chaplain, and yet one of them requested a Bible to have during this month. God is working and, and is opening people's eyes to the truth of the gospel. Here's the thing, though. When men and women return home after having paid their debt to society, they run into something called the second prison. In essence, the second prison means that a criminal conviction, no matter how far in your past it was, is never really behind you. It affects how people look at you, whether they are willing to offer you a job or lease you an apartment whether you are welcome to church on Sunday morning, whether you can get professional licensing, whether you are able to attain financial aid to continue your education, or many other things necessary to lead a full and productive life. All of this keeps people with a criminal record from getting back on their feet to support their families. It keeps them from giving back to the community. The bars of the second prison are far-reaching. In fact, there are more than 44,000 documented restrictions on people with a criminal record, meaning laws and rules and, and, and things that are structured to put restrictions on people with a criminal record. And this doesn't affect just a few people. It's estimated that one in three American adults 
including, in all likelihood, somebody listening today. People affected, one in three, are affected by the second prison. Now, it makes sense for there to be some limitations on people with a criminal record, okay? It makes sense, especially when those limitations are directly related to the kind of crime they committed in the past. It makes sense for someone recently convicted of money laundering and embezzlement to not have a job as an accountant. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Amen. But why should someone who has overcome a drug addiction be unable to receive a loan to get their bachelor's degree? Or why should someone with a criminal record be unable to be a manicurist or a barber? Many restrictions do far more harm than good. When we look to Jesus, we can see countless examples of his elevation of those who were convicted and condemned. He professed the unfaltering power of redemption in their lives. So here's some examples. Think of Zacchaeus, the tax collector. He was considered a sinner by the people. When Zacchaeus showed that he had changed and starts making amends, he said, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. Jesus responded by saying, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. This was restoration. This was a second chance. This was a a potential to live a different life. When the criminal dying on the cross next to Jesus asks for him to remember him, Christ responds by saying he's going to see him in paradise this very day. Jesus showed no limits on redemption. We know that that thief on the cross was there because he was a criminal. He had committed crimes. Jesus shows no limits on redemption. And he saw the utmost value in each of the redeemed. Now, as Christians, we know and believe that the gospel changes people. At Easter, we celebrate Christ's ultimate victory over the power of sin and death. And we celebrate a new kind of kingdom in which the last are first and the foolish and weak confound the wise and powerful. But do we really believe this applies today and not just in biblical times? Do we believe in it? We love the redemption stories of Moses and Paul, both of whom had shed blood. But are we willing to challenge the strong cultural barriers even in the church, that make it difficult for similar things to happen today. We've all got a past. 
we have all received forgiveness, grace, and second chances from our Heavenly Father. We are meant to be conduits of that grace to others, not to hoard it. When we participate in the restoration of the people in our community who have a criminal record, we are living out the gospel and encouraging our brothers and sisters to make the most of their second chance. So that's the material provided by Prison Fellowship, and I'm going to end up with some final comments here. So I, I, as I said, I'm going to share the links with you for Prison Fellowship, and you can partner with them. I've sent a donation when I saw the videos and things about this. I, I, was, I was moved in my heart. I want to help, and you may as well. But I want to bring this even closer to home for a moment. What is your openness to offering a second chance to someone when it gets really close to you? It's one thing to support efforts that other people are doing out there. <laughs> but what if it gets close to us? So this, this happened across the street. I've told you there's a, a house being built. Well, last fall, an organization called Second Chance Incorporated were, worked across the street to reclaim much of the home that was being demolished. Now, they're not affiliated with Prison Fellowship or this Second Chance Month, they, but they share that name. Um, and they share many of the same principles. They are also committed to a culture of protecting the environment, which is something we'll be talking about next Sunday. But I learned through a neighbor that they often hire formerly incarcerated persons. So I think that's wonderful. But, and, I know that sometimes we can respond to such a program with fear and anxiety. With something like this, why are they bringing those people to my neighborhood? I want to challenge us to seek deep within ourselves and ask God to truly make us people of the second chance. Are there risks? Maybe. But do we believe in a God who is our refuge and shield? Do we believe in a God who redeems? Do we have faith in the truth that because Jesus died, was buried, and rose from the dead, there is hope for all things to become new, even for someone who has been incarcerated and paid their debt to society for the crime they committed. Can we believe that God has a second chance for them too? Do we believe it? The church is called to flourish. This church is called to flourish. <laughs> and a big part of that is that we are going to be people of the second chance. We are going to see People that are addicted set 
free because we believe in the second chance. We are going to see people that have been down and out come into being employed and being able to contribute back to their community because we believe in the God of the second chance. We are going to see flourishing in this church because we believe in the God of the second chance. We believe in the grace and the love and the mercy and the power of God to work in the hardest of hearts. So let's bring it one step closer. Let's bring it all the way home (laughs) with those you love, with those you live with. How ready are you to offer a second chance? Now, I'm not talking about situations of abuse or addiction or where there's some tough measures required. What I'm talking about is being willing to say, not my will, to give up getting your own way sometimes and forgiving the people in your house when they mess up. Are you willing to give some second chances? Well, the rest of the story from John 21, I want to point this out. What if someone else seems to get a better gig than you? Peter wondered about that. And we can sometimes let that impact our attitude about second chances. So let's look at verses 20 through 23. Jesus had already told Peter he was going to die a death that glorified God that was not going to be pleasant. Verse 20, Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved, which is how John referred to himself, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? (laughs) Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, What is that to you? As for you, follow me. So the rumor spread among the community of believers that this disciple wouldn't die, but that isn't what Jesus said at all. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? (laughs) Here's the important words in there. What is that to you? We need to make up our mind to be people of the second chance and not go into comparing ourselves to others or thinking that, well, they get away with being stingy with God's grace or they get to do this. They don't have as hard a, a, hard a life that they're called to do. Why? What are we called to do? Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus and be willing to give that second chance. You see, Jesus had given Peter a second chance. He restored him after Peter had denied him on the night of his betrayal. Thank God 
Thank God for second chances. When we repent and come to him in humility, ask for forgiveness, he gives us so much more than a second chance. I think I might be on my millionth chance sometimes. But here's the thing. In Lamentations, it tells us God's mercies are new every morning. Every morning. So God isn't up there like with a a counter trying to count how many chances he's given you. He is always ready to forgive when we come to him and ask for it. In this moment with Peter, though, here he is receiving this restoration, receiving this second chance, but he got distracted through comparison. Don't do that. Be willing to forgive. Don't keep score with others in your life. Be willing to forgive. I want to lead us in a prayer asking God to help us become people of the second chance. And then after this, we have one more inspiring story to share, and and then the links will be there for you. I hope you are convinced. When we talk about all things new, yes, it is by the power of God, but then we've got to let that flow through us, and we must become people of the second chance as well. Will you pray with me? I feel to lead this out where I'm praying a prayer that you can follow me in. So if you, if you desire to, follow me in this prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your redemption. Thank you for giving me a second chance. Please forgive me for the times I don't share your grace. For the times when I become judging and think people aren't worthy of a second chance. Forgive me for having fear and help me have the power of love. Please make me a person of the second chance. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. This next story is great. I think you're going to be really inspired. And then we'll go to the links and everything. Hope to see as many of you as in the Northern Virginia area as can to join us for worship in person next Sunday. I love you. When I grew up in the Fairmount section of Philadelphia, I lived literally one block from Eastern State Penitentiary. One of the things when I first started selling drugs when I was 12 was I had, I had, I had crack cocaine placed in one hand to sell, and I had a 38 revolver handgun placed in the other hand. Think of that as a 12-year-old. 
but that's the environment you're in. The first time I ever got convicted of a crime, I was 13 and got two years probation. That was like my introduction to the criminal justice system was at 13 and it never changed from there. At the time, I, I would say I was ready to die, but I think even looking back, I thought I was ready to die, but I wasn't ready to die. I knew when I was a kid, I, I thought through as a teenager that, man, I might get killed, I might go to jail, but I never really processed sitting in prison when the district attorney is trying to give you life or the death penalty. And it was my first week when I was in prison, in solitary confinement, that a, a prison guard gave me a Bible to read, and that's how I came to faith in Christ. And it was, it was my faith in Christ that began to carry me through the rest of that experience. And I really believe that, like, you know, I'm reading and I'm like, you know, I'm a Christian now. And part of being a Christian is taking responsibility. And that's called repentance. It's taking ownership and going in the opposite direction. I'm asking God, man, get me out of this situation. But then I'm like, but you're guilty of this situation. I can't be praying to God, asking him to get me out of a situation that I'm pleading not guilty of, that I'm guilty of. So I talked to my lawyer and was like, hey, I'm a Christian now. I know this sounds crazy, but you could talk to the district attorney. Or I, I want to plead guilty. And that's what I did. And so I ended up, um, I was able to go to see some of the family of the young man who lost his life. And uh, honestly, it doesn't matter that he was a drug dealer. He was a young man creating the image of God who did not deserve to lose his life. And I was able to to, to look in the eyes of the family of a victim and to have the family give you a second chance. Because when it was their opportunity to talk, they could have easily said, you know, that's great that you're a Christian now, but Your Honor, we want justice. You know, he's not coming back. They, 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 they gave me grace. And the judge did too. My salvation experience of, of God giving me a second chance and saving my soul that wasn't worthy and then going in front of the family of victims who gave me a second chance and forgave me and then going in front of the judge who was willing to give me um, six to 20 years instead of a life sentence, um, it really does something in you. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be the man I am today or anything that's going on. My, my, my kids wouldn't be born, you know, if, if I didn't get a second chance. My name is John Kelly, and I used to be known as a murderer, a drug dealer, a drug addict, a Mr. No Hope For Him, Mr. Don't Allow Him Near My Home, Mr. Let's Throw Him Away. There's nothing good that can come from that. And now I'm a pastor, I'm a college graduate, I am about to receive my master's, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a mentor, and I'm an advocate for second chances. If you enjoyed today's message, why not share it with a friend? I invite you to subscribe at Apple Podcasts and our YouTube channel. We'd love to hear your feedback and comments. So glad that you were with us today. Look forward to seeing you next week. At Vienna Assembly of God, we love God, others, and life. And we're leading our community in a growing relationship with God.